call for all of us to recognise and acknowledge the fact of occupation, to rethink the received colonial settler narrative. Justice with Good afternoon and welcome back to Deadly Justice. You're listening to Tallulah. Uh, this week, uh, we, haven't, we haven't had a show for a, for a while, so um, this is uh, kind of getting back into, into the rhythm of things. And uh, this week we'll be talking about a really important issue, I think, um, which is basically employment and education or lack thereof in the Kimberley. And I've got a really special co-host with me today. Um, I've got Abby, who's one of our solicitors in our office. And Abby's really passionate about employment and education in the Kimberley. Um, So Abs has been with us for over a year now. So she's kind of been frontline working with lots of clients and, um, you know, has a real passion for helping people and and all of that kind of stuff. So how are you going, Abs? I'm good, thank you. Thank you for having me. No worries. Um, I've been, yeah, looking forward to coming on the show. Yeah, cool. So, so yeah, we'll, we'll get straight into it, I guess. Um, employment and education are definitely a huge issue up here in the Kimberley because, uh, you know, there's a whole lot of underlying factors. And, and as we know in the Kimberley, employment and education, well, employment in particular is really, you know, it's really high. Uh, sorry, unemployment is really high. We don't, we don't have enough people in enough jobs. And um, we also struggle with the education that is available for kids and for adults. I'm in the Kimberley and, and, you know, lots of people have to go away for work or or lots of people have to, um, you know, leave their home and then, you know, it causes issues like welfare dependency and um, I guess it can also be attributed to suicide, I guess, because people are feeling really low and they're feeling like they're not making a difference or doing anything worthwhile and that can affect people's self-esteem. So, look, unemployment can can cause a whole lot of issues um so so yeah yeah i think it's a very complicated issue and in the time we've got today i think we're only going to be able to scratch the surface um of um of yeah some of these issues and the issues that they cause but um yeah it's a really interesting topic um and it's exciting to be talking about it yeah absolutely and i think um i think you know you you working frontline with a whole lot of clients so so what we do in our office is we actually help with um with employment issues, so so we do um, unfair dismissals, and and do you want to talk a little bit about that? Um, yeah, so one of, one of the things we do do in our office is um, unfair dismissals, and I think kind of in the context of this show today, something that has become quite apparent to me, I guess, um, working with clients since I've been here, and and possibly something that I hadn't considered before. I guess, um, is the difficulty for some Aboriginal people, you know, if they do find themselves in, in, in a job, I guess the difficulty that can arise when, when cultural obligations pop up. Um, I've seen a lot of people kind of possibly lose their jobs because, you know, their cultural obligations have come first over turning up to work, um, which is completely fair enough, but it does, does make it very difficult for some people to try and hold down a job. And um, I've seen it quite a few times now. So... I guess that's a kind of a very interesting a thing that's that's made me think since I've been up here. It's definitely not something that I had considered before. Yeah, and it's it's definitely frontline because you're seeing how that affects people day to day, right? Absolutely. 
Yeah, so, and and following on from this, you know, I wanted to talk a little bit about much deeper kind of underlying political, cultural conflicts here. So, um, you know, we're talking about how, you know, Aboriginal people are required in a now Gadiel white fella dominant society to be able to work to survive. They support their family and they're nomadic between their countries and, and all of this kind of stuff. So the whole concept of fueling like a capitalist kind of environment and society is so different and so new and there's only been what 200 300 years for aboriginal people to get used to it so of course there's going to be some issues there and then you think about also what kind of things affect you in your day to day you know you you take a few days off because you need stress leave but when you're an aboriginal person there's a whole lot of trauma that goes into that right so because of the because of the the basic statistics that mean that aboriginal people are always going to experience death and suicide and poor health and mental health issues and 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 whatever else all of that stuff's going to add up and it's going to affect your employment so you know i think about my family and i think i think you know considering all of the death and trauma and all of these kind of barriers that are in the way of employment no wonder it's difficult to hold down a job like no wonder like for me it's like how do you how could you after having experienced that even get up in the morning and just go you know what i'm going to i'm going to survive this day it's difficult right so i think about all of these kind of political and underlying like deeper issues into why unemployment is so so high up here it's not sim- not as simple as just go and get a job you know and then also the other thing is lack of employment you've got some statistics don't you i do have some statistics um we were having a chat before the show and we were um, we were having a look at some statistics. Now, I think that these were from September 2019. So looking at the unemployment rate um, compared, I guess, to the general WA population to the Kimberley, the general unemployment rate was 5.3% in WA. But when you look at the, at the Kimberley region, it was up around 9.5%. So there is quite uh, quite a difference between the general WA population and, and that, that of the uh, unemployment rate in the Kimberley. Yeah, wow. Yeah, big difference. Yeah, also, another thing I wanted to raise was was why are we placing value on jobs that are not aligned with Aboriginal culture? You know, you've you got a conflict in cultures, right? And I think in terms of employment, we need to be putting value on some on stuff that's important for Aboriginal people. So we need to be putting value into painting and music and um, ranger jobs and looking after, you know, the country and, and all of that kind of stuff. We need to be putting value into that and therefore providing jobs that are culturally safe and secure for Aboriginal people. And then again, going going on from this is education as well. So we mentioned before um, education and, and lack thereof in the Kimberley. So what's available to kids and adults even for tertiary education or, or education as an adult is so limited up here. You know, we've got a TAFE. Um, but that's very limited in what what kind of courses is provided, um, and then you know, like for me, for example, I had to leave the Kimberley to go to uni. I had to leave my home to be able to study tertiary education, and and, and I went to boarding school as well. So even from high school, I had to leave the Kimberley to be able to um, receive what what people consider a, a good education. But um, yeah, so it's interesting, and then and then you your experience as well, Abs. Well, yeah, I think um, I guess another issue as well is you know, I think it's really important that we need to place importance on, you know, jobs in the arts and, and music and things like that. 
But I also think that there needs to be, um, I guess, some thought into, uh, I guess, you, for example, Tallulah, I know you're interested in, in studying law. Um, and, and I guess for, for, for me um, to study law, I had to do that over in the eastern states. I understand that you can only do it in Perth in WA. Is that correct? Yeah, so so for on campus on uh, learning, uh, you can do it in Perth. Otherwise, you can do what I do, and that's online. But that's not ideal because you're relying on yourself to really, you know, get through that. And and look, I'll be honest, I'm sitting there half the time going, "What the heck is happening? <laughs> Am I doing this right?" So yeah, yeah. I think there needs to be more options for people that may maybe do want to pursue, um, you know, careers maybe medicine or law to be able to to be able to do it in the Kimberley to not have to move away from home. And it might stop people like myself um, from from coming up here and taking jobs that might be better, you know, that are better suited and, and should be offered to, to the local workforce. I think that's another big issue up here in the Kimberley is that a lot of people fly in, whether it be for short periods of time, they work and then they take off again. So I, th- I think it's important that we kind of build people up with skills if that's what they want to do and so that they can kind of make a meaningful contribution to their community and stay here if, if that's something that they want to do. Yeah, it makes me think of my uh, my schooling experience in Wangajunga Community mm. School when I was uh, a young fella. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, so basically my experience was, and look, I don't mean to, um, you know, I really appreciate all the hard work that teachers do and it's not an easy gig and, and whatnot. But, but in particular, my experience at that school was... was uh, unusual because I had a teacher who come who'd come in and who wasn't a very good teacher. Mm-hmm. Like, how is this okay? You know, you're coming in here, you come for a few years, and then you go take off. You're not here for the long run. You're not interested in the well-being of of me. And look, that was this this was this particular teacher that wasn't a very good teacher. But but I kind of think you know why aren't we putting value on people locally in the community to to be teachers' assistants and to to be teachers and to be our educators, which actually brings us to our next point. So very exciting interview. Yes. So up upcoming, we have a really good interview with Lewis and Kenneth from Yearly School. Um, Lewis is the is the principal of Yearly School and um, Kenneth is one of the uh, cultural cultural workers and also is on the board of Yearly School. Um, and we have them chat to us about, you know, their their experiences, um, you know, working in the school and how important it is to provide culturally safe education and, and language and all of this stuff that's catered to Aboriginal kids. And then Lewis will talk a bit, a bit about a bit more about the employment um, side of that, and he'll talk about how they're losing funding. And um, it's really important that they they um, they're advocating at the moment for funding to continue, so that people like Kenneth can keep their job, because it's so important that that role in that school is kind of a continuing role. And like I said, in terms of employment and education, that stuff it can't, it needs to happen. So, so we'll take a little break and we'll listen to a song. And Abs has picked a song for us, um, and it's in the theme of of our show today. It's uh, Working Class Man. So enjoy. Oh, 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 
Hi, and welcome back to Deadly Justice this week. Uh, we've got a few uh, very special guests. Uh, we have Lewis Mulvey, who is the principal of Yearly School, and we also have Kenneth Dawson, who is the uh, cultural worker and a board member of Yearly School. And, yeah, we're really lucky to have these two on. They're going to chat about um, the funding um, in the schools uh, potentially being cut and what that will mean for people working locally in um, remote Aboriginal communities and in schools. So how are you two going? Good, thanks. Good. Uh, did you want to tell us a little bit about your role and what kind of things that you guys do? Yeah, I'll go first. So my name's Lewis Mulvey. I'm the principal of the school. Uh, I've been working here at in yearly school for about four years. I've uh, been the principal for two years. So I guess, yeah, the, the, my job here is just to, you know, I guess oversee the school and report to the school board and um, just make sure that you know, the school's going in the right direction. And, and, and like, we're an independent school, um, so we're not a government school. And so, um, you know, the school board is made up of members of yearly community and, some, and the surrounding communities. And they, um, I guess, set a kind of plan of what they want the school to be, which um, some of the things are, I guess, you know, the vision of yearly is educating our children on Guinea country, so, um, and teaching kids skills for life. So I guess, you know, literacy, numeracy and things like that alongside the strong focus on Guinea language and culture. Uh, yes, yeah, so I guess my job is just to, I guess... Uh, you know, answer to the school board and report to the board and, and um, you know, oversee the running of the school every day. And my name is Kenneth Dawson. Um, I'm a Gunnedi man. Um, Gunnedi, um, the school is on Gunnedi country. So Gunnedi is a dying culture. The language is very, not much spoken now. And um, I teach culture in the school and teach kids and teachers and principal too. AWs as well, so as we go out doing cultural stuff, um, teaching them about um, the Namulingi. So that's a long time ago. Um, cultures that were passed on to me from my old people, and I make sure that the teachers and the students are okay, bridge in the middle. So I'll be, you know, whenever there's a problem in the classroom, I'll get, you know, I'll get some of the teachers to come to me and try ask for solutions. So if there's no solution, so I'll end up taking the kids and I'll make sure that the kids are. Uh, you know, safe, and all the teachers are safe too. The work is here in nearly every community school. So, yeah. That sounds like some really um, meaningful and fulfilling work that you guys are doing. And look, it means a lot for our younger generation to be schooled and educated on their own country and on their land. And um, yeah, I think it's really important. So do you want to tell us um, a little bit about what you're kind of pushing for in terms of the funding? You know, we know a little bit about um, your change.org um, so did you want to talk a little bit about, yeah, what's going on with all of that stuff? Yeah, yeah. So basically, you know, the school, there's a number of independent schools in the Kimberley. Um, so there's Yearly, Kulkaria, which is Nukumba, um, Jamadanga, Yakanara, Ternalulu, and Nikanamangala. And the schools have been receiving funding for about the last 10 years through the Indigenous Advancement Strategy. Um, and that was to, you know, fund a number of, Indigenous workers at the school, um, and unfortunately, we just sort of were told a couple, about two years ago that the funding was going to end. Um, that it sort of didn't fit into the vision, I guess, of what the Indigenous Advancement Strategy is. Um, and you know, it just came as a really large blow for us because you know 
for us as a school employing large numbers of um, local staff is just so important. Um, and, you know, the reasons for that are just there's so many. I guess a few of them are that, you know, the, the uh, well, Aboriginal education workers, as we call them here, you know, work in the um, classroom and just have a great understanding of the kids. A lot of the time it's their family. Um, they, you know, there's also the issue of language um, because, you know, Creole is the first language here, not standard Australian English. So a lot of the teachers don't actually speak Creole or, or if they do, they don't speak it very well. So, the, you know, it's important to have a lot of staff here to, to work like as translators and... Also, you know, it's just the school is the largest provider of employment in the community. Uh, there aren't that many opportunities for work at the moment. So I guess, like, originally that's why the funding was put into the schools because the government saw it as a really great opportunity to employ more people in really meaningful work that actually makes a massive difference to children's lives in communities. But unfortunately, at some stage, someone has decided, oh, well, that doesn't really fit in with... And, and, Schools should be funded by that, you know, through the state and other, you know, federal funding that they receive and, and we should, you know, and shouldn't receive any extra funding. So I guess our flight here has been to, you know, continue that funding because of, you know, basically it's, it's funding that's actually worked and it's it's gone a long way to employing people in the community. Uh, it's, uh, you know, our attendance is really excellent and a lot better than I think a lot of other schools. And it's just a shame to see something that's working taken taken away. And, you know, it puts pressure on the school and it obviously it puts pressure and stress on people or, of, of workers in the community when they're sort of told, oh, well, you know, that job isn't necessarily that important and we're not going to be able to fund it anymore. So, you know, obviously... Yeah, for us as a school, when you take away, we've been funded for 10 positions, you know, it's an enormous amount, so to just have it taken away, yeah, so it, it has a huge impact, and so I guess our fight is to have that funding continued, and at the moment we're sort of looking at maybe different ways we can sort of say that, you know, make this Indigenous Advancement Strategy money work in schools, because, you know, we have a lot of issues, Kimberly, with attendance, and lots of other things in engagement with school. And, you know, it, it seems that you know, providing jobs, no matter how what they are uh, at schools for local Indigenous staff is just really important. So, Kenneth, I, I, as a local man in Yearly and as a Gwiniandi man, well, I just wanted to ask you, you know, why is this something that you think is important to you and to your community? And at the end of the day, who are the people that are going to be affected by this issue you know you kind of you think out of the you kind of think oh well the kids will be affected and then and then also sorry the workers will be affected as well but in the long run you know what kind of effect will have will this have on a whole lot of people well it'll yes it'll have a huge effect on the people and also the kids because you know um our people half of them don't you know speak very fluently english and we all you know some of us don't really um like speaking in meetings, so for this, you know, like say funding, this funding will help us, like help the AWs that knows Creole and some of them knows English, and same with the kids, so that, it, you know, they will be able to help these kids and help these teachers under, understand each, um, uh, say, subjects. And um, most importantly, you know, it, it, yes, it provides, you know, jobs in the community, and it is a very safe for financially, 
um, the school. Uh, people like to come to work at the school. And also, you know, there's cultural side as well. So when, you know, there's 10 positions, yes, and um, there's someone not here, you know. So, like, they go out maybe for two weeks, sorry, sorry leave for someone who passed away. So we have to take that leave. And so, you know, that funding can, you know, also give someone else a chance to work in the community. So it's just like a, when, when someone not at the school, well, someone else can fill in for them. And also it'll, it'll, yes, it'll, you know, bring huge effect on us and also the kids and the people at the community. And, you know, we, we at the end of the day, we'll, we'll, be, we'll always be here. Uh, where teachers, you know, they and principals come and go, you know, and we'll still be here. And who, who's gonna who's gonna stand for us when you know if our kids don't have a proper education? Like you know, we 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 want to be able to help our kids learn and grow as human beings, and you know, we want them to shine in the future. Not you know, like most of the people that I know, my people, they, you know, some of us we don't know English. That's why we don't come in and, you know, speak on meetings and whatever, you know, um, and where these kids have that opportunity to be able to control the future and actually understand what, you know, what people are talking um, talking about and papers and all that stuff. And, I mean, it's it, it disconnect. And, you know, you, people are going to have to move into town if, if there's not enough jobs. And what's happening in the town, in the, in the town at the moment in some towns are, Kids running wild, and we don't want our kids. You know, we want we want our kids to be on country, and we want to educate them culturally and you know the Western way. Because at the end of the day, you know, when kids go, you know, go on um, uh, to go out of schooling, um, boarding, boarding, you know, boarding schools. So whether it's you know long way from country, so they come back and they decide then after year twelve and whether they want to go and you know do what um you know whatever it is they you know want to do in the future whatever their goals is and you know maybe they want to stay back home and and stay home for a while so if they want to stay home well they can at least you know understand some of the paperwork that have been you know brought through or whatever it is to you know um to explain to the people so that they can understand and if we don't you know do it now then the future is going to be you know a mess I wouldn't say a mess, it'd just be very deep, you know, just, yeah, not really good. Yeah, yeah, of course. And and I suppose what what you're saying is it's about opportunity. You know, people should be able to make that choice at the end of the day. And um, educating them is, um, is important to be able to empower people to be able to make those decisions for themselves. Yeah. Now, Lewis and Kenneth, um, with this change.org uh, petition, um, what kind of outcome or what is the ideal outcome that you hope to achieve? I think that ideally, you know, I mean, at the start of this year, I believe that, you know, the National Indigenous Australians Agency announced that, you know, the IAS funding is going to continue for a few more years and that the government's putting in billions of dollars into it, which is excellent. Um, and I think the ideal outcome for us is that, you know, we just, are able to apply for that funding and receive it to employ people at this school. I, I think, yeah, that's probably the, just the ideal outcome because it just means, I guess, exactly what Kenneth was just talking about, that people can work on the country in this community and, yeah, have really meaningful work. And, and yeah, the importance of educating kids here in this community, it's just so vital and, you know, 
I mean, we're sitting here at the school at the moment, and you just look around, and it's, a, it's an amazing school. It, it really is an incredible, beautiful school and a beautiful place. And, um, you know, the kids, when they come here, you know, they're learning a lot. And, they, and it's, yeah, not only those things that are going to set them up for life, but, you know, those things that are going to you know, retain and uh, enrich and, and, and keep alive for me any cultural language and culture, which is just so important. Yeah, and then and then the other thing is it becomes an identity thing as well. You know, you talk about how important it is to feel, um, you know, secure in your identity, especially for Aboriginal people where um, land and culture and all kinds of thing of things have been, you know, taken and stolen from them. So this re um, rejuvenation of land and identity and culture is so important. And you think about where where it'll it could you know the potential it could have for our young people you know, being so empowered in the future and all of this stuff. I think it's really good work that you guys are doing and, and I suppose our last question is, um, how do we get on board? Well, I guess, um, you know, to start with, yeah, look, if you look for the petition, that's great, um, and, and, and sign up for that. It's on change.org. I think it's called um, Retain Funding for Indigenous Workers in Independent Schools. But, I mean, more importantly, probably just to get to write to the National Indigenous the Indigenous Australians Agency, and just, I guess, to push them... Um, with, so Ken Wyatt is the uh, Indigenous Minister, and, yeah, just to push them to say, like, education is so important, and we need to find ways to have this funding you know, work for kids in schools in ways that actually work. So I just think pushing them to say, we're not asking for anything... I guess we're not asking for any more, and we're not... And we're not asking for something that hasn't been working. We're asking for something to continue that has been working. So I think pushing to those, especially to Ken White, like I, I really do know them, that he comes from an education background um, and I know that he knows the importance of education. And I just think the more people we can have, you know, getting in touch with him and the national, the NIAA, um, hopefully they'll just start to see that you know, this is really important. Yeah, look, I think about lots of the programs that happen in Australia, like you know, in in Australia and in the Kimberley, particularly the the funding goes for three years, and it's like you you barely touch the surface when when you got funding that goes for three years because it takes twelve months to get set up, then it takes another twelve months to kind of build a client base, and then by the last twelve months, you can't really make an, a, a lasting effect. So yeah, I think it is really important to have funding that lasts for a long time to be able to have effective outcomes, you know? Yeah, I totally agree. And I think that that's the important thing, message that we need to get out there is that it's like, things like this it can't be five years, it can't, it, it can't be ten years, it's got to be generations. You know, we need generations of uh, change. So, um, <clears throat> you, know, you know, back in the days, it was, all, it was always about, you know, art. We're going to teach you this culture. Now we're going to teach that culture. We're going to teach this culture, teach that culture. All about, you know, someone's, someone always going to teach someone something. Where now it's all about the togetherness, now working together. And we are here now wanting to learn together and to, you know, make our kids and make the future better for us. You know, like, how we here working together as, you know, two different colors. We're teaching two ways, two ways learning out on country and in classrooms and on paper and on sand. We draw, you know, we, we do all this stuff and why can't we just be able to, you know, just work together to build this future of us, you know, make it better. If, if, if our kids going to, 
you know, get affected. What, what everyone like for us, we for cultural ways, if we don't if we don't teach our kids, you know, when they're growing up, we can never have that opportunity ever again, and it'll be it'll be lost and gone for good. Like Buniandi is a dying culture. Like I said that in the start, and we want to be able to teach our kids our culture so that they can be, you know, so that it can be passed on like for the last 60 plus years. And, you know, we're going to keep on doing it where they, you know, if, if you know, this funding going to stop, well, then if there's not much, you know, workers here, because one day some, some of the parents going to be like, well, you know, we don't want our kids to go to school because we want to be able to teach them culture. And if, if they're going to, you know, take this big bucket of, you know, Western way teaching, well, then where's the culture, where's the, where's the you know, space for culture side? If it's going to be just Western ways teaching, if culture is going to die, then, you know, we will have nothing. And it's just like our land getting taken by us too, getting taken um, from us. If, if the trauma keeps on building, keeps on building, and then we will never stop it. And that's when, you know, you know there's like a lot of suicides and all that stuff happening. And you can see that, you know, most of the country in Australia has been taken over already. And so... When does the native people from this country have a tool or have a, you know, have a say for what is right and what is wrong? If we can't, if we can't have a say, then who can? Like, on behalf of us people, you know, like, I know it, it sounds like it's very deep and, you know, like very confronting, but that's the truth. If we can't have any say, well, then how can we have a say in the, a say in the future? Yeah, if you're 100% right. You know, and I, we talk a lot about, um, you know, having two sets of laws and two sets of cultures and how difficult it is. And it's like, just get it done. You know, <laughs> we need to just be considerate and we just need to, um, yeah, we need to now we need to acknowledge what's what's been happening now move forward in a way that's helpful for both of us, both parties, you know. And yeah, like you said, like my grandmother is Guniandi as well. And, and like, I, you know, I've he- I hear a lot about how difficult that language is. And you think about learning Guniandi as a language plus English as a language and how different they are and then how important it is to keep your Guniandi and, you know, in such a dominating Western society. It's so important. You know, I'm really loving everything that you're saying. And, and, and Abs and I, we do a Fitzroy trip every now and then. So hopefully we can come out and check out yearly school at some point. Yeah, no, this is, you know, we, we here, we're very proud of our job. We do a excellent job, beautiful job. We have weeks on, out of country, like um, every week we go out of country, maybe two or three times a week, and that's to teach, you know, when they get bored, because every little kids, they can't stay still. That's another thing, you know. They can't stay still. They either shake their leg or keep tapping on the um, desk, and, you know, they can't be trapped. Um, you know, you they always, we've been brought up, our bush and hunting and all that, you know, we always got this, we got that um, urge of keep moving now. And if you're just going to be in the classroom 24-7 a week, and how can they ever learn, you know, because they, they feel like all they've learned is just how to sit straight, how to uh, behave or whatever, um, you know. And we, like for me, especially for my job, I want to be able to get them out on country so that they can be, you know, that they don't get really um, frustrated and classroom that's why you have a lot of you know kids here they like to you know they act they act up and that's why we got a lot of good AEWs here and they like to you know the original staffs in the classroom they do a good job of um calming the kids down and and also explaining to the teachers that um why this kid is you know 
um, I know I know teachers have um, you know a lot of um, understanding because of their studies in, in university and all that. But and but traditionally you got to be able to get give kids you know their their um, space and time as well is the more you push on them, they just gonna explode and you know, that's why I, I take kids out on country and, and AEWs too and sometimes when I'm not here some of the AEWs take over my job and, and you know um, take the lead for that one and if if we can't keep them you know, it's just like a cattle. You can't if you keep them in a yard, you know, they just gonna what, if you don't feed them and all that they just gonna die and look what our kids gonna do then. If they're gonna muck up a lot and then the teachers will be affected, and when the teachers come, because they, they'll, they, some of them don't even know what a community um, is, you know. If, if uh, say, someone from Melbourne comes first time up here and gets straight out of university, then they're going to just look like, oh, these kids are, you know, they, they don't understand. If it weren't for the AEW, some of the teachers wouldn't even survive out here. Because of the rules and regulations that traditionally that we follow, too. I mean, there's... there's um, you know, expectations for teachers to understand too and do it in the best way they can. But if they're coming in a new culture, they'll have no idea what's going on. And if it weren't for us, you know, again, the teachers wouldn't survive. Yeah. And I also think about, um, you know, we've had a conversation on this show before about um, like alternative study as well. Like, the curriculum is so forced on people to learn a certain way and to and to do a certain thing and that's what it means to be successful right you know I think about my boarding school experience and I I, you know I I performed quite well in the end but it was definitely at the cost of my well-being and I was put under so much pressure to do well and I'm sitting there thinking but why why does it why does it have to be that I have to be successful in this way why can't you know, being able to go back to my family and learn my culture and sit down with my old people, why can't that be considered successful? You know, it's such a westernised viewpoint to say we've got to educate our kids in this way because that's what it means to be successful and then they'll get a job that pays a lot of money and then they'll be successful. But it's like, well, hang on, we need to rethink that whole thing because, you know, it just doesn't work. It's in almost in direct conflict, you know. So, yeah, I fully agree with everything that you're saying and it, it means a lot for, you know, people up here and lots of people all over Australia, lots of Aboriginal people all over Australia that are, you know, struggling with an education system that doesn't fit them culturally and doesn't fit them in in a way that... Yeah. So I think it's really important. And, um, yeah, Abs and I had this discussion the other day, actually. We were talking about, um, you know, having interns that come up and do a placement with our workplace and they kind of jump in into our workplace thinking, oh, yeah, this will be a fun new experience and then they get big culture shock and they go, oh, oh this is not what I expected. And then you kind of got to train them into, like, what happens and, you know, um, resetting your whole kind of theory and thought of, of Aboriginal people and how... Um, everything kind of, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's definitely important and I think it's it's something that we need to get on board and we need to um, cherish the balance between cultural education and, and also, you know, schooling and all of that stuff. It's interesting to look at what you're talking about. It's exactly true and that we try to, you know, fit everything into these certain boxes and think, oh, right, yeah, like education has to be a certain way um, and, and in a way, like this funding is a really good example of that because, you know, the school gets a certain amount of funding from the government to run a school uh, and, and, and then we had this 
you know, funding on top of that to employ extra Indigenous staff. And then suddenly it's like, well, hang on, you know, you should be only be doing that to your school funding because, a bit, you know, employing these Aboriginal education workers to work in classes, you know, it's employing any anti-cultural workers and teachers. That doesn't fit into our boxes. You know, we don't like that. And, and that's why it's sort of been taken away. And I think it's just another really good example of why, you know, sometimes we just need to start looking at things differently. Um, and, yeah, as schools, we definitely have to do that. And, you know, the work that Kenneth does out in the country, the work that Kimmy uh, Andy teacher Francis Dawson does, the work that all of the, all of the Indigenous staff here do, you know, it's so important and probably the reason it works so well is because it doesn't, you know, fit into the you know, traditional models of teaching. Yeah, well, I think about also going back to, to my boarding school experience, but when when kids are thrown into, um, you know, I couldn't I couldn't go to school in the Kimberley because I couldn't uh, couldn't get the education that I needed in the Kimberley, you know, because there's no, just no access to that. And then so when I got I got chucked into boarding school, I was kind of depending on my boarding school to define my Aboriginality for me. And I think how damaging is that, you know, because I'm I'm coming from a, a gadia, a white person's perspective on what my Aboriginality is, rather than rather than having an education system that chair, that um, you know helps me from a cultural way to define my Aboriginality and help me grow and um, nurture and all of that stuff, my own Aboriginal identity, rather than telling me what it is, you know. So so yeah, definitely really interesting. Something that is so important, I think about the other Indigenous students that I started boarding school with, there was 11 of us that started in my year. And when we graduated, there were six of us because everybody couldn't, you know, they couldn't be there. They could, it didn't cater for what they needed. So they, they left and they went home. And, yeah, look, so, so important and something that I'm very passionate about, Abs is very passionate about, and you guys obviously are very passionate about. So, yeah, and, you know, try our very hardest to push for something for, you know, funding, continuing funding, yeah. You know, now we we have this funding. This funding can actually give us an opportunity to be able to teach these kids that something that we haven't been taught, you know, in the schools. Japanese, like, it's not from this country. Come and we, we our tribe has more than, say, 300, 300 plus tribes here in Australia, and we can't even be able to, you know, um, teach our kids the way we want to teach them. And this funding, you know, like for here in the Kimberley, is just the only opportunity we can give these kids. Um, well, we never had that opportunity in the past. And, you know, yes, and like you said, now um, going away in the boarding school, and like, yes, I was like that too, you know, shy and all that, and it's bit like, why do we have to come this far to learn something that, you know, um, that we could probably learn somewhere back here in the home, you know, in the community. But, um, yeah, you know, I bet this funding is going to be, is, is the reason they want to cut it is because they maybe build want to build more roads and tear down the country more, drill a hole or whatever it is, or build skyscrapers, and they can't even help the people from this country. They can't even build a home or build, you know, build, say, uh, a boarding thing here, you know, I know Broome have one and Kananara have one, but like, you know, be able to 
because they're small, make them a bit wider where they can where kids can actually go, you know, and get away from here, but at least still be in the Kimberley. But yet maybe this funding gonna build more skyscrapers down wherever it is, you know. Um and maybe I don't know, try yeah. The greed the greed is taking over our generation now. And there's more more it's all more worry about the money and all that stuff than you know, look at this coronavirus that came. It was a wake-up call to all of the people that, you know, country is actually opening up now. And, you know, one day when Mother Earth strikes, it strikes harder than any machine on Earth. And if we can't look after it, of course it's going to explode and it's going to die out. And because of the more we drill, the more we burn, the more, you know, diesel burning and whatever it is, it's going to, sooner or later, the future going to, you know, the future, that's when Mother Earth is going to strike, and when it strikes, it's more powerful than any machine here. You know, the more we stay, sit back and watch all this stuff happening and, and more burning of fuel and more drilling and more damming, this, this, whole, this whole world is going to, you know, starve. The whole country is going to end up getting dry, and then it's just going to be a deserted wasteland, and we're all just going to be, you know, we're just going to starve to death. If we don't look after the country properly, and that's why we want to be able to teach our kids out on country, learn them more. If they got nothing, well, then we'll have nothing for the future because we won't. We wasn't being able to, you know, look after it now. In the past, say, and you can see where this is heading towards, you know. And the coronavirus that was a wake-up call, and that's everyone could see it, that, you know, there's a lot of diseases and whatever it is, you know, they they. You know they're gonna come and strike even harder and more bigger if no one don't if, if the government don't you know wake up and actually you know um, support the people that knows the country and rule them. And yeah, and our future is our kids. And if we can't teach our kids to be able to learn out on country and teaching the survival skills that we passed on from sixty thousand years ago, well then how can we ever make this a better country for us to? like for the future yeah you've got a really good point and we've spoke um on another show as well about the importance of ranger work and um you know why don't why aren't we putting more funding into employing aboriginal people as rangers to look after our country and to look after the land you know it's so so important and the, and the problem is is that we're placing value on things that that aren't well, that I think <laughs> aren't valuable, but but we're we're not placing what I should say is that we're not placing value on the things that that should have value. So we're putting um, money into corporate things and and businesses and whatever else when we should be putting money into employment in the Kimberley and health and education and ranger programs and schools that are independent and teach their Aboriginal kids their language and their culture. You know, so we're we're so damaged because we're putting value on things that, that aren't, you know, fulfilling and and actually have no positive well, not very many positive outcomes, do you know what I mean? That's true. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, no, so um I think you guys you, you make a really good point and it's it's um something that we're really passionate about at KCLS and yeah. Um, did you have anything you wanted to add, Abs? Um, no, I, I look. I, I think you've covered everything. I, I did want to say thank you, Lewis and Kenneth, for taking the time this afternoon to speak with us. 
um, and to also say thank you for all the work that you're doing because because it is so important. Um, and I guess I want to take this opportunity to encourage our listeners um, to get online and, and support uh, the change.org petition that uh, Lewis and Kenneth have put together. Um, yeah, because as we've discussed, it, it, it's really important um, that, that this funding continues. Well, thank you for you know, having us on the show. Um, you know, your show is absolutely awesome. And yeah, it's just an honour for us to come on the show and uh, have the opportunity to talk about um, these issues. And you know, hopefully it's something that resonates with a lot of people. And I just think, at, least, at the very least, you know, just to think about you know, these sorts of jobs and the value that they have and like how do we create yeah, jobs in communities that are um, valuable and and why do we then yeah and when we do why do we then take the funding away so um, yeah so thanks for having us on yeah and look yeah. it's 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 so easy for the rest of Australia to turn a blind eye to this you know so easy to go, oh, well, that's not our problem. That's their problem. So when, when you can find a platform like change.org and all of that kind of stuff to get the word out there, it's so important because it's like shifting the reality for a whole lot of people, you know? Mm. Well, thank you, uh, thank you too, for um, this opportunity for us to be here. And, yeah, Thank you. Thank you so much. And it's been an absolute honour to have a chat with you guys today. Thank you. Thanks, guys. So that concludes our show for this week. Thanks for tuning in and we will catch you next time.